Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 448 featuring Ryan Woodward, who is an amazing storyboardist and animator. Uh, I met Ryan many years ago over at THU and I wanted to do a podcast with him, never quite worked out. And years and years went by and every year I would check in with him and timing wasn't quite right. But he finally came back to THU, went to THU Japan, which is where I recorded this podcast, and I was able to catch up with him. And it was so unbelievable to do that because he is really such an incredibly talented person, a very kind person, a very open person as well, which I thought was very, very nice. Um, he, he worked uh, back in the old days, he worked on Iron Giant. Uh, but he then eventually pivoted away from doing animation to storyboarding, but still has a deep, deep passion for animation and is very, very talented in that sense as well. Uh, he did an animation that got him a lot of attention, something that he sort of put out himself uh, on YouTube called Thought of You, and I highly recommend you look it up. Just look up Thought of You by Ryan Woodward uh, and got a lot of incredible attention and really showcases his his talent. Um, he talks a lot about his career and all the things he did. He worked obviously on some incredible uh, projects, uh, you know, including uh, Captain America and Avengers and Spider-Man and a bunch of the other Marvel stuff, the early Marvel stuff, which was really interesting. Um, but he talks a lot about burnout because he was highly, highly affected by burnout in a big, big way uh, that forced him to completely change his life and turn everything around, uh, which is now sort of starting the new life, life 2.0, as he calls it, and really interesting to do that. Uh, also talks a lot about story because we were there at THU about story and storyboard artists are definitely uh, people who look at story. And we talk a lot about how story affects it, how he thinks certain things, like the old way of doing things, such as save the cat, is dead in some ways. Uh, those of you who don't know what Save the Cat is, we talk about it in, in the podcast. It's a book that was written uh, a while back that pretty much gives you the formula to make a script in Hollywood. And uh, if you follow it to the letter, there's a good chance that you will be able to make that movie. But uh, basically thinking that maybe that's not the way we should do movies anymore. Uh, he goes, gives us advice, his own advice on how he thinks movies should be uh, made and the stories that should be developed. Uh, talks about AI as well and if he thinks it's a threat or not. And just gives us, generally speaking, some great life advice. So it's really great to be able to have Ryan on to hear from him and talk about talk to, about all the things that's going on in his life right now, which is really wonderful and great to catch up with him in Japan. Okay, we've got a couple of uh, announcements. I mentioned this before, but Vantage 2 Update 1 is out, with, and it's got some very, very cool tools. I have been talking about it all week. Uh, I was at the VIEW conference this week, which was fabulous. A lot of fun to go to the VIEW. Uh, that was my first time there. And I really appreciate it. I recorded many podcasts there while I was there also, uh, including something, uh, someone with Peter Schoon, who actually worked with Ryan. Uh, Peter was uh, the director of Elementals at Pixar. So it was really cool to be able to meet all these great people uh, and uh, be able to talk to them about what's going on. So, But I did talk about Vantage to Update 1. I mentioned that this got an extremely superior uh uh, denoiser called Ray Reconstruction and a brand new DLSS 3.5 that is optimized for path tracers and basically gives you incredible performance in V-Ray, uh, or in Vantage, sorry, uh, for, you know, be able to get basically full HD frames at 100 frames a second in, in most production renders on the latest hardware. But pretty amazing stuff. Definitely recommend you guys check it out. Uh, if you, especially if you have a new NVIDIA graphics card, just make sure to update your drivers. That's the only thing that I'm going to tell you about that. But otherwise, definitely give it a spin. Okay, we've got several things going on in November. 
I'm going to uh, highlight a couple of them. Uh, you can just find out all about all our events. Just go to chaos.com slash events. Uh, we're going to be at Autodesk University in Vegas. That's going to be on November uh, 12th through the 14th. Uh, so go check us out there. We'll have a booth there, which is also exciting. We're going to be at uh, the Chaos. Uh, we're starting something new, actually, called the Chaos Neurathon, <laughs> Neurathon uh, 2023. And that's going to be uh, November 24th in Prague. I'll give you a little more details about that. It is uh, basically a big hackathon we're doing. Uh, and it's going to last for one day and everyone is invited to, uh, come participate in it and be part of it with us. Uh, there are going to be some prizes, uh, and a lot of great, great stuff going on. Uh, so make sure to check it out. Just go to chaos.com slash events. Again, that is, uh, the, on November 24th in Prague and you can register on the site, uh, at chaos.com slash events if you're interested in being part of that. Okay, now if you guys want to know more about the podcast, of course, you guys know where to go. You just go to chaos.com slash CG Garage Podcast. If you want to follow us on social networks, we have Facebook page, facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast. And of course, uh, our YouTube, uh, all of our stuff is with all the other YouTubes we have, and it is at uh, youtube.com slash chaos group TV. And of course, if you guys have ideas or suggestions of podcasts, always would love to hear from you. We've been getting lots of great ones lately, so definitely keep them coming. Labs at chaos.com is our email for recommending them, as well as giving us feedback on any other podcasts we have. All right. But for now, please enjoy episode number 448 with Ryan Woodward. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. So it's been a long time coming that yes. we want to do this. I know. Uh, Thanks for your patience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we talked it's like six years ago or so, right? Something like Something that. Something like that. Yeah. So that was the first time we met. And then I was uh, trying, like almost every year, I'd say, oh, it's about time to ping Ryan. And you're like, yeah, maybe. And then something would happen just wouldn't have it. So now... We're a THU again together, so I got I got your attention. I yes. cannot get, so you're here. And I think you know we were discussing this. This is probably like fate that this is the right time to, for you to come on the podcast because there's there's a situ, you know your life has gone through this this cycle that you can tell us about. Yeah. But uh, before we do that, let's get into into your past so that people know a little bit more about you. I've obviously seen your presentation a couple times, but love people to to hear that story. So what what is your origin story. Where, where, where did you start? Career-wise, right? Yeah. Well, no, you're or just your interest in just, art and drawing. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's always been there ever since I was a kid, a little kid. Just always wanted to draw. Yeah. You know, didn't know if it was going to be animation, comics, or what. You know, I just liked drawing. And, and I never even questioned doing something else. You know, I never thought, well, maybe I'll try marine biology or something like that. It right. Was like, never. It was always just draw. Right. And um, but no, and, and I got really fortunate to um, to to have that 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 strong passion at a time when the industry, the animation industry, was booming, the mid '90s. Mm -hmm. There was this, you know, um, DreamWorks was ramping up, Warner Brothers was ramping up, Disney was expanding, you know. So I got I was really fortunate to be there at that time when that was happening. So 
I got into uh, Warner Brothers there when I was, you know, early 20s. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean. As a 2D animator, right? As a 2D animator, yeah. Yeah, yeah hand-drawn, flipping papers. Old onion skins. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old, the old-fashioned way, and, uh, and that was fantastic. That was, uh, I again, I feel so fortunate. Really good mentors, great people, you know. And just over the course of, uh, you know, almost thirty years now, just gone from doing animation to storyboarding and storyboarding for live action. Um, what were some of the films you worked on at Warner Brothers? Um, I did like Space Jam was the first one. Okay. Um, the Iron Giant. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a classic. It wasn't well received. It became a cult classic much later, though. It did. It was. It was. It was funny. They. We all knew it was a great movie. Everyone that worked on it, the studio knew it was a great movie. But there was a weird sort of tension between, you know, the animation, the, the studio part that we were doing, and then the the Warner Brothers lot. Okay. I think what had happened is they tried to sort of change the course of the film a few times, and Brad Bird was like, "No." Yeah. Right. And so when it when it came time to release it, they just didn't put much effort into marketing it at all. And it and I still remember the eight million dollar opening weekend. Right. For Iron Giant, that's what it was. That's, eight million dollars. That's, that's yeah. It's a crash. Right. And I remember the, just the solemnness in the studio. Everyone was so heartbroken, you know? Right. But it just came and went through the theaters that fast and no one even, no one even really noticed. Yeah. But then over time, because it's such a good film, it, it, it had legs and mm -hmm. it picked up and it picked up and it picked up and now it's got a- It's a classic. A classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is awesome. So, you know, sometimes classics take time you know, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they don't they don't launch. But something when it's really good quality, um, just give it time. Yeah, it's a good story too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really good story. Yeah, is that the kind of stuff that you like doing? The kind of stories you like? Yes, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. The Iron Giant. It's got it's a it's a mix between like science fiction mm -hmm. and just childhood wonder. Yeah. You know. Yeah, sure. so that, that was a really great, great, great early film to be a part of and be a part of that team. Yeah. Um, and and you were doing, then you were still doing traditional 2D animation for that, yeah. right? And you continued doing 2D animation also for yourself on your own, right? Yeah, you know, for a few more films, I did 2D animation. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, the whole industry started changing and 2D animation, you know, became dead, you know. It just, After Toy Story, right? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. It right. just dropped off. And so um, if you were in the industry and you were a 2D animator, you had to, you had to either evolve or, mm -hmm. or become a hairdresser, you know? Right. Do something else. And um, so I still like to draw. And I mean, I, I've dabbled around a little bit in 3D at the time, but it really wasn't, you know, I didn't enjoy the process of it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went, I did storyboards at that point and started getting into that. How do you, how do you, how do you make that shift to storyboards? Like yeah, I, again, right place, right time, got lucky, you know? I could sure. easily say that because I was doing, um, I learned, when I was at Warner Brothers, I learned how to do some animatics. So uh, like go into After Effects and then right. learn how to take the storyboards and I started helping out other teams at, at the studio, like um, the, the guys working on um, Batman, the Batman's Batman Beyond stuff. Because mm -hmm. I knew After Effects, I kind of okay. picked that up. Sure. 
And, um, and then so they started giving me all these animatic jobs to do, you know, some Tom and Jerry stuff, some Looney Tunes stuff. So, so, so animatics became a thing. And then when a bunch of the guys at Warner Brothers uh, left to go work for Sam Raimi to do Spider-Man, right. um, I was the animatic guy. Ah. So, and then after, after doing purely animatics for a film, then I became a board artist after that. Okay. So yeah, I, it's just really coincidental. And, and all, I was obviously just always full of yeses, you know. Full being, of yeses? Yeah. You just, just didn't turn things down? Yeah, I turned nothing down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even if I didn't know how to do it. Right. You know, I, in That's fact, the best yes. I still remember when they asked me, they asked me to do some animatic stuff the first time I had never touched After Effects uh -huh. and they said, can you do the, you know, do the, come on in and do some animatics. And I, and I did, and they said, you know, After Effects, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then showed, you know, that evening I was just crunching to figure it out and then, and then just faked my way through it until I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think those are the kinds that are the best. I remember my, one of my first jobs at DD and my supervisor asked me to do something and I realized I didn't know how to do it. And I finally fessed up and I said, I don't know how to do that. And he looks at me and goes, neither do I, but I think we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's the best way to do it. Yeah. 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 It's very stressful doing it that way. You freak yeah. out and you yeah. have, you know, you, 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 the stress goes through the roof. Right. I did that also with Maya when, when, uh, when I, when they asked me to do, I was doing boards, and they said, can you just do that in 3D now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can, and I had no idea how to use Maya, no wow. idea. I had to figure it out real fast. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So that's, that became it, you just sort of added tools to your arsenal as you needed them, right? Yeah, yeah, really, as I needed them, and as, I, as my interests were pointing those directions, too. Like, right. It's, it's, uh, when you're surrounded by so many creative people and, and artists in different disciplines all the time, you can't help but just have that feeling like, oh, I want to try that. Sure. I want to try that. And I want to try that. And I always had that driving me, that, that wonder and that interest and the little bit audaciousness, audacity. Sure. sure. You know? Well, explain, explain the life of a storyboard artist a little bit to some of the people that may not know what that's like and what, that's, what that is. Yeah, uh, as a storyboard artist, you're basically step one in the visual blueprint of, of a film or a production. Step right. one. Um, meaning. So you have the scripts. Yeah. And you start, and then you, you create the visual, the first hint. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say step one because actually there, there's probably some, you know, some concept art that was done or something like sure. that, right? Um, but as far as like um, doing it in, 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 a, in shooting boards or in something that's really representative of, that's going to represent the movie, right? right? So it, sometimes it's on script pages, sometimes it's just a, a, a note or two, and sometimes it's just a verbal briefing, you know, from the director. Right. And they say, hey, can you, can you do this? You know, can you, can you take uh, our character and, and, and have them go blow up a restaurant, you know? Right. Go, you know, and then you just go and sit down and you start drawing it out and you got to start thinking almost like a comic book artist you got to start thinking about the staging and the setting and you know think about your shots and 
and your setup shots, your close-ups, your varieties, you know, all that kind of stuff. You really have to be a, um, a, a, a DP, you know, a director of photography. And do you know photography? Did you know a lot of photography at the time? Or? Uh, I knew the basics of okay. photography. Sure. Um, but, uh, but almost with every lesson that I've learned, I learned it the hard way. Right. You know, when a DP would come in and see my boards and go and look at it and go, I don't use that lens. And then he says, um, I, w I want to, uh, you know, and uh, it throws out a number, you know. Right. And that's when I was like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> you know, or the director goes, no, we need a short lens there. This has got to be a short lens. Right. You know, and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, so I had to learn, you know, the difference between, you know, lenses. And, and when you do, your brain goes like, oh, my goodness, it's a massive difference. Right. When you learn lenses, it's like, Wow. Right. And you can right. really change uh, the, the, the feel and the mood of just about any shot just by changing up the lens. But you're basically giving the DP, like, here's what the shot's going to be. Yes. Right. Yeah. And if you know those, if you, kinda, if you know what it does um, to any shot, um, you, can, you can now start to do your drawings to reflect that. Right. You know, like, if I know, like... I want to get a real short lens because I want this massive depth, you know, between the character and and whatever's in the background. I sure. want the, I want I want visually uh, to be able to to be able to know that wow, there's a lot of space there. So you go for a really really short lens, you right. know, which basically all it's doing is is giving you more very wide, yeah, yeah. on the screen, um, versus you know using a super long lens, you know, of that same shot. Compresses everything. Compresses that space like crazy. Mm -hmm. Creates the illusion of you know that there's hardly any space between the two. Changes the whole meaning. But now I draw it that way. Right. So that a DP would look at it and go, okay, yep, I see what, what lens we need to use for that shot. Sure. Sure. And most you know storyboard artists they just do the boards. But uh, I was remember at your at your talk you're like. My boards turn to animation pretty darn quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you just, you just like you can't help it. It's like I gotta see that motion. I gotta do it, right? Well, especially when it's action oriented, you know, and it, and it's an action that's that you know could be really cool. Right. And you know, and you know, like if it's a kid skateboarding down a hill, you know, it's like oh, but yeah, but I mean, if I, I could do a couple of drawings, and sure. it would show the kid skateboarding down the hill, and then. And then when it goes to animation, you know, the animator will, will, will do their thing. But how, what, if I, what if I did a whole bunch more and did a kick flip in there and then and all these kinds of tricks? That would just give the animator a lot more uh, ideas of how to, how, to, how, to, how to do that shot. Sure. So it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting just to add some animation into boards. Right. And with, the, with, the, with all the um, digital tools now, you, you can do it pretty quick. Sure. You know, it's it's um, it's not like having to you know get out another sheet of paper and then figure out the in betweens and all that stuff. You can sure. just you can you can just do in betweens, and it actually doesn't take as much time as most people think when you just add in drawings. Right, right. Well, I, you know, you've worked on some pretty big movies and boarded some pretty big movies. What were some of your favorite ones? Um, uh, I obviously the. Um, when when the Marvel films were coming out, yeah, because uh, as a kid, you know, growing up on all of those characters, yeah, like when the first ones, the first Thors and the first Captain Americas and the first Avengers and even Spider Man, 
you know, they were just absolute fun to be in that universe. Right. You know, and, 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 uh, being able to actually like almost make your own comic book of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just to be part of a, a production, a team that's actually working on Captain America. It's like the little kid comes out. Yeah. You know, he gets all starry eyed and, and really excited. And so, yeah, those ones were really, really sort of childhood fulfilling. That's awesome. You know, to be able to work on those. Right. Right. And then you also did a bunch of other personal projects too that you were trying to do in between all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, well, I, for a long time, especially when my kids were little, I was, I was doing lots of, um, lots of little things with them. Okay. You know, lots of just fun stuff, you know. We always had almost like every Thanksgiving, we did a little film. We made something, you know. Awesome. So it started with that, but then it got into, um, you know, more, um, more, more, more intimate projects that took a lot longer, you know. Um, that was just like me working on it, you know, not necessarily with my kids like thought of you and, yeah. and, and then the, the one that was the, that took a lot out of me, which was a really ambitious one actually was uh, bottom of the ninth, that app that was, um, it yeah, it was a, a baseball, it was like, like an interactive comic book, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, there was a super steep learning curve on that for me because I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be a, an app and, and, but yet have the illusion of a comic book and, but it's, but it's playing animation. Right. Um, but I had no idea how to make an app. You know, I'm not a coder or anything sure. like that. So I had to get some people to help me out in lots of those disciplines, coding. And then I, and then I put in a lot of 3D, you know, the environment is very 3D. So I had to learn a lot of that stuff and learn how to render. And yeah, very, very steep, right. steep learning curve. And that, that, that one took a lot out of me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know you were mentioning the, the, how hard it is to sort of balance all of that stuff. You mean I'm talking yeah. about balancing, you know, how do you balance your personal life and your work life? And your answer was? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't say that cavalier, you know, but I, I, I um, if, if you put, I, I just found that putting enormous amounts of emphasis on trying to balance is almost an imbalance. Sure. You know, trying to do it so hard, trying to do live life right, you know, every day, every morning in time at work and then time at home, you'd be sitting there like, you know, looking at your watch and, you know, you'd be forcing yourself to check out at the right time. And I mean, it would, it would almost, uh, it, it, it almost adds more stress Right. When you try really hard to keep life balanced. So what I what I what I finally came to the the conclusion that helps sort of satisfy my own soul is that I just realize I'm I will always be in a state of correction. Like I, if I go too far on the pendulum, then I put a lot of effort into into balancing it the other way. Okay. You know, and then when I get too far that way, then I'll put effort into balancing it the other way. So it's it's balance is right here in the middle, but I just feel as long as I'm doing this right then 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 i'm okay right and it's got to be you know this this idea of like not understanding uh, uh which side of the pendulum you're on has got to be really tough or it's constantly thinking about that pendulum yeah too. yeah because yeah. sometimes you know you get like these creative ideas and uh 
when you get a really strong creative idea, you have to milk that moment. You yeah. know, you got to stay up all night. You know, because the the energy's there. You know, the energy's there. The thoughts there. You really want to get it out, and you know that if you go to bed or whatever, you in the next morning it might not be there. Right. Right. So yeah, those moments will pop up, and I know. Okay, I'm gonna do everything I can to like satisfy this 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 idea that I have. Um, but now I think, okay, I'll do that. But then the next day, I'll make sure I take a good little break and I go play with the kids. Right. You know, just make sure I'm I'm the pendulum is bouncing. Right. So um, you know, one of the things you were telling me is that you had some serious burnout. You had some stuff that really made yeah. it hard. So what what led to that burnout? What what what's the things that that made that happen? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's happened a couple of times where um, I just worked too hard um, and put too much stress on myself to sort of reach uh, as close to perfection, you know, as I could, you mm -hmm. know, with whatever, with the, uh, the job I was doing. And it, it reaches a point where um, uh, the, my mind just, just stopped being creative. It just stopped. I, I suddenly had no desire to pick up the pencil mm. and no desire to, to, to watch a movie. None. All I want to do is go in my garage and, and play with power tools and, and invent something, you know, and, right. or go like gardening or something, you know, something physical. Right. Or for a time, I, I, was, I really just jumped on my bike and started racing, road racing. Wow. You know? Yeah. Because, um, so, I mean, that was, that happened a few times when I, and I, and I, and I learned, I just got to give it time to, to whatever needed to rest in my head. Sure. And then, and then I'll, I'll bounce back into it as soon as I can. That happened a couple of times, but I had a really big one in 2019 that accumulated with um, the family splitting up as mm -hmm. well on top of it. So that was a big one. That was a really, really, really big one. Yeah. And, um. Um, and, um, even I was worried that I wasn't even, I wasn't going to come out of it. Right. It was very emotional. Yeah. It was, yeah. 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 I, I was, um, um, I needed a lot of help getting out of that one. Yeah. A lot. So how, what were those warning signs that you had that you could, you know, obviously mm. these things happened. And it's a place you don't want to go to again, right? Yeah. But there's warning signs that now you know. It's like, okay, now there's the warning sign that I know that if this happens, I won't let it happen, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like, what are what would be the warning signs? And I and I it, it's it is. I have to be careful about just obsession over something. Okay. You know, uh, an idea. And and making sure it's not. Um, well, let me let me think about that. What is okay? Let's let's ask you this. What yeah. is the difference between obsession and passion? Well, obsession gets to the point where, when you're not in obsessed or in that thing, you're existing in some other part of life, and you're almost medicating yourself while you're there. Right. Because you know you'd rather be in your obsession. Passion, I think, can be is, is more healthy. You can be passionate about something um, 
And then as you exit that passion and, and go exist in, in life mm -hmm. in a normal way, right, it, it's not miserable. Right. And then you can go back to your passion. But I think, like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, when it started getting bad was when I would, I would get home at night and I just drink. Oh, wow. That was my, that was, I couldn't shut my head off. Right. And that was the only way to shut it off. And that would, that would shut it off. Right. I would get home at night. I never drank in the day. I've never, ever, ever drank during the day. Right. I would, uh, but, but I'd get home at night and, and, and I'd, I'd just have a big fat drink. Right. And that was my way of medicating, you know, myself to, to, to relax and, and ease up and, and go to bed. Right. You know, and that's, so yeah, warning sign. Yeah, that That's would a definitely sign. be a big warning sign. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I hear you. Uh, so so where, so you got to a point where you know we were talking this about with, with Claudia, right? How she finds a way to rebuild pottery. Yes. But um, you know she doesn't do it the way we used to do it, which is to put super glue and make sure you don't <laughs> see the cracks, right? right? So it's like, oh, mom won't know that I dropped this pot, right? Yeah. Like she does it in a very interesting uh, way where the, it's rebuilt, it, it regains a purpose or maybe gains a new purpose. Yeah. But the, the cracks become the stronger part of the vase yes. and become the feature of the vase. How do you feel that that's a journey that you went through as well. Oh my gosh. When she talked about that, and I immediately associated that, that process of embracing the breaks like that to, to, my, to myself, to my soul, sure. not to a piece of art, but actually to me, it, it, it really, really helped me start to think to myself, I, should, I, should, um, I shouldn't try to hide some of the breaks mm -hmm. because maybe those breaks that I had could be beautiful to someone else. But that's really hard to, to still for me to totally talk about. Sure. Because the breaks were, the, the, the big break was powerful. I mean, I, I think I mentioned upstairs, you know, I, I, I woke up in a hospital. Yeah. You know, in Puerto Rico. Right. And it wasn't a a normal hospital. Right. <laughs> it was a <laughs> yeah. hospital. And um, uh, two of my friends, they, they, they saw the state I was in and they, and, uh, they, they knew that I, I needed to be there right. for a time. And uh, man, what an eye opener that was. Yeah. How do you rebuild from there? Oh man. Uh, man, uh, yeah. Um, again, I got lucky. Okay. I don't know if I can put any of the credit on my own shoulders, but um, I met a beautiful woman that walked me through it. Yeah. Walked me through rebuilding and stuck around while I was still broken. Right. You know, and, and helped me to, to put life back together right and uh and now she's my wife <laughs> yep yeah. and she's here she's, she's a wonderful here. person very funny too yes <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah really great 
Pretty yeah. Great. No, I got. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't say. You know, that was all my own. I can't take credit for it. Almost, you know. Well, I think you have to have the will. Yes, the will was there. Right. But if she wasn't there, I don't know what would happen. Right. Right. I'm sure that's. She felt she had a purpose to do. To yeah. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she did, and 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 then when you go through that, it's hard to just bounce back into the way life was. Right. You know, it's hard to just. Okay, now carry on. Yeah. <laughs> back to drawing Captain America. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you, your whole life has changed. You're, you're you you reevaluate your purposes. You reevaluate how you spend your time. You reevaluate your relationships, and, and everything get changes. Mm. And we like we like to refer to it as life 2.0. Sure. Because uh, there's so many things in life that uh, I do different now, even to the point of of career. Um, there, I, 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 as I was going through all that, I slowly stepped out of the big studio jobs. Right. And then and then went did a startup for a while. Okay. And then and then I got an, an offer to do another big studio job, and. And I was like, nope. See, that I was can't. your that was your first nose, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just, uh, I, I just thought to myself, that was 1.0. Right. You know, I've got to make some choices that are now life 2.0, because otherwise I'd be denying the growth that happened. You know, from right. one to two. Right. And I look at that as like, like I can't deny that that was transformational and that that. That, that a massive, massive growth happened there. So I can't go back to just, you know, doing something big corporate, big size again. And I, so, so I'm, I'm, I have much more, I have this sort of like this, this surrendering perspective on the future opportunities that are going to come up where I don't really know what they're going to be and what they are, mm. but I'm surrendering to all these new possibilities. Well, what kind of possibilities are you looking into? Uh, I've been talking a little bit with some uh, some um, organizations in Australia, Screen Queensland, it's called, you know, uh -huh. and, and possibly doing some filmmaking through those guys. Yeah, you know, I've even thought about writing a book. You know, I've even thought about doing more animation for for Cat and her brand that yeah. she does. Yeah, you know, uh, thought about making a, a game. Yeah. And doing it all on my own and starting it on my own and then pitching it. So there's so many little things going through my head, but I, I'm just going to let it work itself out. That's, that's great. That's great. And so how do you, you know, one thing that's happening now at this specific conference is that uh, this is a conference, this chapter at least, is about story, right? It's about storytelling. Yeah. And we have been talking for the last several days about stories and our different ideas of what stories are. Um, uh, you think about story a lot, don't Tons. you? Tons. Right? Your drawings is your way of telling a story. Yeah. Right? Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on the state of stories today? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, this whole rabbit hole, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's it, it, it's one of the obsessions that I had really bad was I trying so hard to really understand the 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 um, the structure of good story right and I and I I didn't find it in all the normal books 
Okay. Uh, I, I thought they were all slices, but it wasn't the big structure, the big, big picture of good story. It wasn't until I actually started studying more metaphysics and more neuroscience, like how the brain actually compartmentalizes information in different ways and then problem solves. Sure. Once I started getting into that, um, then suddenly I started understanding how I can take that knowledge and apply it to characters and situations and, and, and stories. And I felt like, wow, I started seeing more and more and more possibilities of, of good stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, and, but the downside of that is to answer your question, uh, it's hard for me to watch a contemporary movie these days without uh, without recognizing that the story is broken. <laughs> right. What's broken about stories today? Um, there feels like they're not honoring what um, the human experience. Okay. They're not honoring what humans uh, and our and how we actually live and interact in this world, and it, and it feels like they are much more just going to proven formulas that um, have worked. I mean, you just, for example, the hero's journey, you know, it works. Right. right. It absolutely works. Um, you can plug that into just about anything and you'll, you'll get something that works. But here's my big problem with that, is that life is all about unpredictability. Right. If I knew what was gonna happen to you tomorrow, right. in your life, right, that would take the excitement right out of life. Sure. Right? Yep. If I knew where my life was going to go next year, it would take the excitement out of, out of my life. Right. If we go into a story and we sort of can predict the end of the story because we're wired to know this hero's journey formula, right. it takes the awe and wonder out of the story because we can predict the, the end. Right. So any, any movie that, that you can sort of predict the outcome of the movie to me is is broken because it's not honoring real life real life's about unpredictability right right and that that's that that can sound really uh, like out of control and um and 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 uh just a completely dis artsy fartsy disastrous movie right if it's right. if unpredictability rules the day right right it's, so it's not so much about like completely off topic, random acts suddenly happen. It's not like that. It's just, uh, there, is, there is a structure and a science, I think, behind it that guides the mind along and helps you, you know, helps it feel like a real story. Sure. I, I'm speaking really obscure, but. You're not, you're not, because I mean, we, you and I had this argument, not argument, we were actually in agreement <laughs> about you know, Save the Cat, as, as a, for those who don't know what Save the Cat is, it's a, it's a book uh, that's written about how to structure a screenplay. And it literally tells you everything that you need to do at every page of the screenplay. Yeah. And it goes through the whole process and says, on page five, this is when you have the revelation, and then on page 60, this is exactly the midpoint, and then, you know, Dark Side of the Soul. Like, it's all formulated for it. Yeah. And then you watch a movie, and you're like, Oh, wait, yep, 60 minutes in, there's yep. the turning point. And it's just amazing how those things happen, right? And so, yeah. and um, it works. Yes. And so, 
for the guys with the money, that's a better return on investment. Yes. <laughs> right? Well, it's, 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 it has a provenness to it before it's even released. Sure. Right? And, and again, the, our, our subconsciousness, they're the, they're the most amazing things because they, they actually control the conscious mind and sure. they actually control the emotional reactions to things. And how many times have we gone to a movie where it's, it's this amazing experience, but we walk out of there and we're like, maybe we forget about it the next day. Right. And that's typically because the movie was abiding by a formula yeah. that we already know the wiring. We already know, our subconscious knows yeah. what's going to happen. Our conscious mind is, is, is engaged in the explosions and all the special effects and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But our subconscious goes, okay, yep, yep, now this happens, yep, now this happens, yep, now that happens, yep, okay, end of movie. Right. right, And then because of that, it doesn't deliver the emotions deliver the emotion. yeah. into our conscious mind that says, wow, right. you know, it doesn't do that. Yeah. And so we walk away and we feel like, well, that, yeah, that was worth five bucks. I have a good story for you. There's a friend of mine, he was uh, a, a big dolly grip, right? And he did dolly grips on some of the biggest movies around, right? And so he was trying to set up a, a dolly and it was for Spider-Man, I believe it was. It was a long time ago. And apparently there was a piece of the set that had to be moved, but it wasn't made of foam. That's why they make them out of foam so you can move them, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was made of real stone. It was like they had to get the crane to move it. And he was just like, oh, we're going to fall behind. Everyone's so just getting really frustrated and like, how do we get this work? And the DP goes up to him and goes, hey, Craig, don't worry about it. And he goes, yeah, but it's like, you know what people are going to say after they see this movie? And he goes, what? What do you want to do for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, and this is the DP of a major, you know, $200 million film, like, meh. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can tell it in the script. Yeah. You can tell in the script if they've abided by a, a, a formula. And I think that really does separate really, really creative, um, innovative filmmakers from the corporation of filmmaking. Sure. The sure. corporation of filmmaking will pick up anything that abides by the Save the Cat book. Right. You know, because they're not necessarily, you know, creative. And so they'll look at a script and they'll find reasons to disagree with it because it's not abiding by their, their, their line items of, you know, what's next on this page and what's next on this page. Right. Yeah. I often use this analogy, you know, like when someone sees anime for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they're, let's say they're someone that's wired to enjoy Western animation. And so they love, you know, all of the classics uh, yeah. like, you know, Lion King. and Jungle Little, Book. And yeah, things. Jungle Book, Little Mermaid. You know, they love all that stuff. And then they watch something anime for the first time. Mm -hmm. the fir typically, the first reaction is like, whoa. Right. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Yep. You know? And then there's almost this, there's this intrigue where they're like, boy, but do I want to get it? You know, well, you're still it, thinking about it. Yeah, because it, it, it's a whole. Di it broke the wiring that's right. that's inside of their mind of what is considered a good animated film. Sure. Right. And then they're like, well, that you know, they're thinking about it, and they're like, okay, that might be kind of cool. And then they watch another one and another one, and before you know it, they're like anime heads. They're just crazy yeah. for it. Yeah. You know, that's typically what happens with uh, you know, people that see you know anime or any sort of genre. Right. Genre type of movie for the first time. There's like, ah, do I get it? No. Because yeah. they're battling the wiring. Yeah. Yeah. It happened to my son when he watched uh, The Godfather for the first time. Oh. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. 
Michael Corleone is bad, but, <laughs> but, but he was the one that was the sensible person and he suddenly is the worst of them all. Yeah. And there's this realization of that, and he had seen some parodies of it on Seinfeld or whatever, but he never really understood what it was. But then he sees the last shot of the movie where he closes the door and he's like, no! <laughs> and he was just in, like so upset about the movie because it didn't have the formula, yeah. right? Now, he still thinks about it. He still talks about it, right? And so that's part of the journey. He'll learn to appreciate it yeah. <laughs> at some point. But I think that that's the thing that's important. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up with you is like to talk about story is that there's a lot of people out there that are young artists or young people who are trying to create something for themselves, create something, and they don't know where to start. Yeah. They don't know where to go. Now, you could say, well, there's a, there's a book right here. There's a formula. <laughs> yeah. You can do that. But what is another way for this, especially if you're trying to do something short? Like if you have an idea, how do you, how do you take your, your little idea and turn it into something, right? Like the like mm -hmm. uh, thought of you, right? How did you? How did that happen? Like, what's the what's the process? The inkling of that process? Oh, that that one uh, I, that one I feel like is a one off. Okay. That one's hard to use that as a as a sort of a launching pad for any other sort of. Okay. Well, let's start with another one. But then we want to get back to thought of you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but what's, give me another. Or give me an idea. Say. You know, if some guy is like, I want to do some animation, I want to do something, I don't know where to start. Where do, what do I do a thing? Like, how do you, what do you suggest for someone like that? Yeah, I'll tell you, um, this might get a little science-y. Sure. Right? Well, but, maybe that's going to be easier. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I think it actually does. It, it, this is part of some of the things that I, that I learned when I was really studying the human mind. And... When you st most people would they want to start with the story they they have their they have some character right sure. at least and and sometimes they'll have a character in some environment but they won't know where to go from there right and they won't know how to make that character really become human but when um, when you when you the mind how our minds actually process data it's actually there's you can break it up into four areas of our mind mm -hmm. um, two of them are are temporal and two of them are spatial based mm. and then two of them are objective and two of them are subjective okay and it works in kind of like a quad and um if you break that down and, and, and that's how our brains like compartmentalize things so when you put a character in there you basically end up with motive method purpose and perspective okay motive being the driver the right. thing that drives you to, to, to want to achieve the goal, the, which is the purpose. The purpose, right. Right? The method is the action. Sure. To get to that um, purpose. Sure. And then perspective is where the learning and the emotions come from. And that's, the, that's a very, very human side. You can actually program a robot to have motive, method, and purpose. Right. But the perspective is where is the lens you're looking through to judge your own actions. Right. Right. So when you when you, for example, let's just say um, uh, it's a soldier in in the battlefield. Right. Right. And um, his motive, mm -hmm. or let's go to the goal. His goal is to um, uh, survive and defeat the enemy. Right. Right. What's driving your your character to reach that goal? Um, letters from his girlfriend back home. Okay. He wants to he wants to achieve his goal so he can go back home. He gets motivated by the letters right. from his girlfriend, right? 
what's his methodology? He, 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 he digs a foxhole and shoots his gun out of right. that foxhole. Sure. Right? That's, 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 that's like three-fourths of a great character. Okay. But the really great part is, is that perspective part. How is he judging that his actions are actually getting him closer to his goal? And you could break that down and he's a, it could be he's, he obeys orders. Right. Like everything, he's one of those soldiers. I will obey orders. But the next soldier next to him has the same, let's say has the same girlfriend, has the same goal, yep. right? And, and even does things the same way, but yet the perspective that he has could be anything goes. If I have to break orders to, to get home, I will do that. Right. So now you have, you have, you have a, two different lenses that two unique people like judge actions by. Mm. And you immediately now you have a relationship between these two people. Immediately you have a, 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 a bit of a clash, mm -hmm. right? Like, what, like if, if, the, if, the, if the commander says, you know, point your gun over the, over the, 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 um, over the trench and, and shoot. And, and the other guy's like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get my head shot off. So instead, I'm going to throw a grenade. Right. Right? I'm just going to throw a grenade. And the, and the other soldier goes, you can't do that. That's breaking orders. So the commander said, shoot. Now you have a battle of perspectives right. happen. Right. And now you have human conflict, a subjective human conflict right. that's happening around an objective conflict. Right. And that's when you start to get into the, 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 the real great character development mm -hmm. that, that, that truly enables characters to cross over and, then, and, and, and debate and learn from each other on that subjective level. It's not just like, oh, the, the gun does this good a job and the grenade does this good a job. Now let's calculate it and see which one's getting there. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, instead it's a debate over... Do we disobey the commander or right. not? And yeah. you have a perspective that's actually creating the relationship. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to sort of like if you're gonna you you outline like what is this gonna be about, but then you f figure out those four points and the most important is perspective, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's where the the, the it's where the relationship comes from. It's the debate that two people have. Mm. It's it. The same thing could be said about any issue in the world. It could be. Uh, take like climate change issue. Sure. One perspective could be, I want the ocean clean, and the other perspective could be, I'm abiding by it just because I want I want cheaper energy. Right. <laughs> right. Sure. And you could have this really intense debate. They both want the same thing. Sure. They both have the same motive. They might even both be doing the same actions to get to their goal. Right. But they can have a debate over the lens that they're using to view the issue. Sure, 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 sure. And that's the, hum that, 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 that's the human element. And it doesn't have to be always a, a real deep introspective you know, conversation. You cut to a monologue here and a monologue there. Right. It's just infused in their actions and in their body language. And, and they, the, the characters, in my opinion, just feel so much more uh, human right. when that side is there. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, yeah, it's, I, I know it sounds science-y and it sounds, uh, it can get really, um, uh, can kind of hijack the muse in a way. Yeah. But, um, but it does also really provide you with a really good framework 
of your characters. Sure. And now you can actually put them in situations and you kind of know what they would say and how they would feel right. in different situations. They're walking by their commander. Ah, now you know exactly how one soldier is going to behave walking by the commander. Sure. Now you know exactly how the other soldier is going to behave just walking past the commander. Right. You know. Yeah, it motivates that action. Yeah. It feels, yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay. Now, speaking of conflicts, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was something that you were talking about. I mean, you, there were, during the conversations part, uh, there was, uh, people were asking about uh, how people feel about AI tools and where, what's going on there. Um, obviously, there's a lot of perspectives, a lot of ideas. Some people are really, really, really angry about AI tools. <laughs> um, by the way, those people have had a hard time even talking to me about it, which wow. is, so it's been very, it's been hard. Um, but a lot of people have different thoughts on it. And um, uh, I think the way that someone referred to it in the, in the, in the talk or, or upstairs was, how do you feel about threats? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. So tell, <laughs> it's, you, a threat. it's a threat. It's a threat. <laughs> and he's like, it's like the implication is like, how do you feel about AI? But that's the implication, right? Yeah. So the assumption right off the bat is AI is a threat. Yes. When it may or may not be, right? Yeah. So what are your Perspective. thoughts? Perspective. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So, so what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts about the, the concept of threat? Well, I can totally understand why it's perceived that way and why the question would be presented that way. Right. I totally see that because AI tools hit us like a freight train, like sure. so hard and fast. We didn't even have a chance to build up to it. Right. All of a sudden, I'm seeing these I things online. I saw it coming from a long way. Okay, you, you, yeah. oh, you were probably more in the know than right. I was. Yeah. I suddenly saw these, <laughs> these images and all of a sudden everyone, I, I, it was almost like one weekend came and everyone had a new Facebook profile picture right. that was created from AI, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and, and then you started seeing, you know, AI generated art and it blew my brain. I was like, what? Right. To that fidelity? Right. It created it like that. And I even, I even dived into it uh, just to understand it and look sure. at it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to set up an account, Brr, prompts, boom. What the hell? Yeah. Like it figured that out that fast. Well, okay, try this. Brr, what? Yeah. You know, it blew my mind. And I can absolutely understand it, that being super, super scary, sure. you know, to anyone that's a, a, an upcoming artist, you know, an aspiring artist or, uh, and it doesn't even have to be art. AI is stepping in. into so many other roles out there in the world. But, you know, I, uh, um, I mentioned this a little bit. I'll just uh, elaborate on it just a little bit more, I guess. But um, it's not the first time that we've been shocked by a new piece of technology. Sure. And um, our society has had to evolve, or our industry has had to evolve, and right. we had to start finding new ways to be creative. Um, drawing, let's just take that one for example, drawing is just one outlet of a creative mind. Right. Um, the person that their job is taken away, the, the artist that draws, if their job is taken away by AI, will more than likely find another outlet to be creative and still be artistically fulfilled. Okay. And I, and, and, cause AI is not going to go away. Sure. There's not going to be some moral police that steps in for the whole world 
right you know and say sorry this is not ethically right we're going to put a stop to this now that is not happening you know right it's going to run rampant and it's going to get used and abused you know to and and indefinitely i don't even know where it's all going but sure. i know it's going to get used like crazy and it will replace jobs so my perspective is on well, it like okay will it replace jobs or will it change jobs see it, I, <laughs> I mean, perspective right? yeah perspective i don't i don't know but i know that it will compel me to evolve artistically in some unique way. Right. Some people will, will give up. Right. Some people will just give up uh, their, their, their goals or their artistic dreams because they're scared to death of sure. what, uh, what's going to happen. And others will hit, tackle it like, all right, so how can, how can I evolve artistically ahead of this new this new thing yeah that's so hard to do when ai is moving so fast um there was an example you used upstairs that was really good and i was i said i said i'm going to steal that from you but i want oh, you to yeah. have the opportunity it's like when you talked about people are they go to movies to see conflict and somehow when there is actual conflict, they don't want it, right? Yes. So, so tell us what your thoughts on that. Well, it's a way to sort of, I think it really helps us put in perspective, again, our, how we view like, our own life. Because we love to go to the movies and we love to engage in something that's like intensely, an intense conflict with some character. Right. And if we're watching a movie and that character is just skating along mm -hmm. and and nonchalantly solving all of its problems right <laughs> yeah. uh i could there's i could bring up a few bad examples right uh, oh what the hell i thought dune was really bad <laughs> and because that main character had everything right no, he didn't have to earn and right. i know everyone says oh but you got to read the books and blah, blah. well i'm just basing it purely off you know the movie adaptation sure. but if you just if the characters are skating along, solving all the problems here and there and here and there and here and there, now these huge rewards of you know saves the town, saves the, the 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 the, the planet, you know. Right. Um, but the the costs and the rewards weren't balanced. We walk out of that movie and, and we have the same feeling like when we see a spoiled brat. They just right. got given the keys to the Lamborghini just because they were born with the keys to the Lamborghini. Sure. And we look at that kid and we go. Phew rat right we feel the same way about a movie when the character doesn't doesn't have that conflict to come over right and uh but yet in our own lives we do everything we can to not have conflict sure and isn't that a bad story yes if our own lives don't have any conflict right what are you going to tell your grandkids or your great-grandkids? Or what are the stories are they going to tell their kids? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Grandpa so-and-so. Every time I go to Trader Joe's, there's no traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, they just skated through life and uh, didn't have anything happen to them. Yep. You know? Now, I'm going to disagree with you on Dune because I 100% agree with you on Dune. <laughs> but the problem I have is different because the whole point of that character in Dune is that he actually is a little brat that got everything he wanted. The problem is that they cut the movie in half and therefore you never get to get the fruition of that character turning into 
Michael Corleone, which yeah. is what he is. Yeah. So that's the problem I have. It's like, ugh. I hate the movies that force you to have to watch the next one. Yeah. And just give me one movie, yeah. two hours. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. good point. So that was my good point. point. <laughs> but you're right, though, right? That character, it doesn't make any sense in that cut because you don't get to get to the next point of it. So, yeah. Um, I just remember, like, right off the bat, I was like, okay, he disses his mom. Then he has superpowers. He owns his own sensei. He flies a helicopter. <laughs> he flies a helicopter through a massive storm successfully. <laughs> This kid, what? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, it's true. But so, so that's the thing you're saying. It's like, hey, here we go. We're all in a conflict. There's new AI tools. You have to change. Adaptation. Suddenly, uh, you know, you don't, the education you got is not as worth as much money as you paid for it. Yeah. And you're going to have to learn new things on your own. Yeah. Good luck, kid. And what a great story that's going to be in like 10, 20 years when we get to ha sit down in chairs in 10, 20 years and go, remember when we talked about AI? Yeah. Remember, remember we, were, we were wondering like if it's going to like take the job of an artist? Remember right. when we were talking about that? Wow. And then we can have a story about, <laughs> right. you know, about it. And all the things that happened in the last 15 or 20 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and you almost you can almost then look back on conflict and be grateful for it. Right. You can be look back on it and go, man, I'm glad that happened because because of that I had to evolve evolve my own life and I had to become somebody different. Sure. I had to I had to pursue different dreams. I had to change some dreams. Yeah. You know, but because I did that, look at my life now. Right. And then you get to have that satisfaction of being grateful for a challenge that came up. Right. But in the middle of the challenge, you're never grateful. You just, we just complain. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Sure. All right. The last story I want to talk to you about is about Thought of You. And, like, how did that come up? What, what, that's, that's a more complex story. Yeah, yeah. Super complex. And uh, it's only been recently that I've started to understand a little bit more of, like, the, the purpose of, for my, for my life, the purpose of, of that little film. Right. Um, because it, it did come, uh, you know, in a, in a very, very um, abstract way almost, you know, like, okay. the, like the desire to create it. I didn't fully understand uh, uh, where all those, those desires to make that film came from. Mm. And, um, and, and I, got, I remember getting asked questions, why, why, are, you, why are you making this thing? And, um, and are you going to make money on it? No, you can use it for promotional stuff. No. Are you trying to get a new position at a new company? No. Are you like, what, why are you doing this? And mm -hmm. I'd always say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm doing it because I really had these ideas and I want to make it. Right. You know? And, uh, and, and even the story, you know, the story didn't really have, um, um, it, it didn't really have real deep personal meaning either at the time. Right. You know, I had sort of associated some of the feelings and some of the some of the conditions when I made it to where I was at currently in life, but it still didn't really carry clarity why mm -hmm. I was making it. Um, and then when people would ask me after it was done, 
they'd ask me what, what oh, they go, oh my gosh, tell us what, what it means. What, what does it mean at the end when that happens, when the guy walks away from the girl? What does it mean when, they're, when their, their tone changes? What does it mean? Right. And uh, I, I never liked to answer it for two reasons. One, I didn't even know. Sure. And the second one is, because I didn't deliver an answer to those questions, it, it compelled the viewer to come up with their own yes. uh, answers to those questions. And then it became a personal piece for them. Right. And I never wanted to take that, take that away from somebody by saying, well, this is the actual real meaning right behind it. Right. Because then it sort of negates their own personal meaning. Yeah. So I would never even wanted to engage. But the truth is I, I really didn't have much, uh, much, much of those answers anyway. Sure. And, um, you know, the, it's been around a while now. It's been, the film's been out for, I don't know, or I, I, I finished it in 2011, something like that. Mm. And um, kind of forgot about it for a long time. It'd pop up here and there, but I forgot about it. I thought it would just be something of the past. Um, every now and then it sort of resurfaces, someone with questions about it and whatnot. But what it, when it really, really impacted me is um, uh, that is how um, my now wife mm -hmm. actually got in contact with me and uh, reached out to me for the very first time was she sent me fan mail. Wow. She saw it in a cafe on her friend's laptop um, way back in like 2012 or something like that. Interesting. Sent me an email sent me a, a, a little thing and like, I didn't respond. Right. Uh, years later, she sent another one and then I said, thank you. Sure. You know, and then, and once a month or once every three months or something like that, she'd, she'd have a question about this or that. Right. And then, and I just talked to her a little bit. It was, she just became a really good sort of like email friend. Sure. You know, like the old pen pal days, you know? Yeah. She was on the other side of the planet. But, uh, um, but now when I think about all the conditions that made me put that together, I, 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 got to I now understand a little bit more about what was going on in my own heart, mm -hmm. what was going on with me relationship-wise. Mm -hmm. And my, I was expressing those feelings through that, through that piece without even truly knowing. All I, I was just surrendering to this, this nebulous sort of, uh, inspiration without really knowing where it was coming from, but it did come from somewhere. Mm. And it was me reaching out, was me reaching out relationship wise for mm. more connection, more human connection than what I was currently in. Right. You know, and I was, was wanting something more in life with, with uh, a, a partner. And, uh, but, but I wasn't, I, I, I'm not one of those guys where I'm going to go out and, you know, right. be, you know, be disloyal. I'm not sure. going to do, do that. But it was it was the subconscious way of sort of reaching out, and uh, and it reached Cat. Right. And and um, and and you know, she's after our relationship. She's now you know my wife. That's right. You know, yeah. and now it really makes me ask questions like: Is inspiration? flat time, like, like, like when you really feel something strongly emotionally uh, and you want to express it artistically, is, is, does time condense in a way where you might be expressing something that's solving something from the past or you might be expressing something that's, that 10 years later is going to manifest the answer to you. Sure. You know, 
is 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 inspiration really like condensed time? Right. Like you take your whole life and just smash it all down, you know, in, in all, all that time, and you create something truly from your heart, you have no idea where the impact is going to be because time is flat. Right. And it, and it makes me think about stuff like that, and it makes me think, yeah, well, when you're artistically in the zone creating something, time is flat. You, you lose minutes, hours, right. days. And so I... I I mean, obviously, this is this is all like you know, woo-woo science, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But like I say now, don't poo-poo on the woo-woo, right? Because uh, you know, it's it has manifested in a amazing way in my own life of 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 how listening to deep down and and creating something that's truly um, you truly feel is 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 part of your soul, you. You just don't know how that's going to impact the rest of your life. Yeah. And when you do it honestly and with real intent and with authenticity, it it can impact your life in in ways that you just you wouldn't even be able to fathom. Right. I wouldn't I probably wouldn't be here at THU if it wasn't for that film. Yes. And yeah. probably a dozen other countries that I've been to, I would have never gone because you know yeah. And, and the people that I've met, the, the dozens and dozens of people that I've met all over the place because right. of that film. Yeah. You know, the rewards are, are, are way more than, than I had ever, 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 you know, anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I highly encourage people. We'll put a link up on the page for people to see. But uh, where can people follow your work? Where do you have any place where people can see your stuff? Um, I... I've just put a uh, art station page together recently because my my website got hacked and I have no idea how to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it's gone. I think it's hopeless. But so I did an art station account. It's just my name, Ryan Woodward Art. Okay. And it's on artstation.com. I got some stuff up there. Yeah. The same thing. The same name, Ryan Woodward Art, is my Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. You know. So. People. Well, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate you doing this having this great conversation. We've been, like I said, we've been waiting a long time. I know. It was well worth it. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, it was. It yeah. was. We had a hard time connecting all those years, but I'm glad we finally got it. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks.